Good morning, listeners. This is Citizen U, a forum where we explore issues and meet people in order to help you make a difference here in our community. I'm your first Wednesday of the month host, Dan Jurdy, a county supervisor. Ukiah City Council member Mari Roden is your host of Citizen U on the third Wednesdays. With climate change and now several years of drought, people want to know uh, where will we have water? Uh, fortunately, we have many thoughtful people working to help our town secure our drinking water and irrigation water. Two of these people, Rod Wilburn and Jim Shields, are here today with us, and they have more than 50 years combined experience in securing water, delivering water, and working with state agencies for the benefit of Mendocino County residents. Rod Wilburn was raised and born in Willits and has spent most of his life in Mendocino County. Rod is a member of the Sherwood Valley Band of Pomo Indians and grew up on the old Sherwood Reservation northwest of Willits. Rod is one of two owners of Laco Associates, a full-service planning, engineering, and, um, um, and grant writing company located here on the north coast. Rod is a licensed civil engineer with a BS in environmental resource engineering from Cal Poly Humboldt and a Juris Doctor from Empire College School of Law. During his career, Rod has worked for small agencies and tribes around the North Coast on various water projects um, related to source capacity, source development, treatment, distribution, and management. Since 2014, Rod has served either as a public works director or city engineer for the city of Willits, working under contract as city engineer since mid-2016. Jim Shields considers himself fortunate to have come of age raised in two states, Illinois and California. With his family owning property in the two states, the Shields family would divide their time uh, over the years living in both. After graduating from college with degrees in political science and history, Jim went to work for Western Airlines, which led to his involvement in the labor movement for 16 years as an elected officer and the workers' representative on the board of directors of two airlines. When Jim left the labor movement, he and his wife and five-year-old daughter moved to Mendocino County, where they all reside to this day. Jim is the Mendocino County Observer's editor and publisher, is chairman of the Laytonville Area Municipal Advisory Council, and coached boys basketball at Laytonville High School. Many, for, for many years, the Shields family has also operated a cat care and rescue organization. Jim is also the longtime uh, manager of the Laytonville County Water District and serves on a steering committee that is looking at a revised role for the County of Mendocino in the arena of water. Rod uh, and Jim, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure as well. Thank you for having us. Okay, well, um, thanks. Where does our drinking water come from? Maybe you could talk a little bit about the differences between groundwater sources and surface water sources. I love, I love, uh, the fact that our, our particular water district uh, treats groundwater uh, as opposed to surface water. It's a, it's a lot easier. Although our water has a uh, small amount of arsenic in it, a little more than uh, uh, 50 parts uh, per billion. Um, but uh, we can successfully treat it out through a combined oxidation uh, coagulation process. Mm -hmm. So, um, and uh, I've been around surface water operations. Um, they have a, they, they seem to have a lot more headaches <laughs> and issues that you, that you have to deal with. Um, so 
and and, and groundwater is uh, uh, almost always a, a cleaner source of water than uh, surface water. Okay. And I know down I know down in Willits, uh, uh, Rod in a former in a former life was a longtime director of uh, public works for the city of Willits. Uh, one of his responsibilities was uh, operating the uh, Willits water treatment system. So I think. Rod could probably like people on well, actually both surface and groundwater because Willits is a mix of both. Yeah, yes, it is. Um, I think around the county we see uh, the mix of uh, communities and um, and private landowners dependent on groundwater, and then other communities dependent on surface water, and then there's that that mix um, uh, in. The local area around here, we have Willits, Pine Mountain, and uh, Burke Trails, primarily dependent on surface water, right? Um, and surface water is what we can what we can what we can impound during the high water months in the winter. However much uh, our reservoirs will store, and uh, the you know, we have reservoirs around the county. Some some communities don't have access to 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 that type of uh, uh, reservoir water or surface water. Um, but I think there's the from a uh, dependability standpoint. I think groundwater is more more of uh, you're, we're, we're we can't see it, but the the recharge is typically uh, not controlled by external conditions. Not controlled by uh, when when the rainfall happens, evapotranspiration. There are a multitude of things, and when we talk about groundwater, there's also the difference between what we call the first encountered groundwater, which in in our most recent project, well, it's like the first roughly 60 feet of water, which is influenced by, by surface. So uh, it influences connected to the creeks, et cetera. And then there's the confined aquifer, which is down below that, which um, has no hydraulic connectivity to surface water, if that makes sense. So we get, we were, if we're pumping from that confined aquifer, we're not going to impact the levels in the creek adjacent to or closest to the well. Um, yeah, typically, like Jim touched on, typically groundwater is cleaner. Uh, we've worked with agencies in the Central Valley that have zero treatment. They just pump it out of the ground and send it to the send it to the user. They have um, like chlorine injection on standby in case there's a there's a, a back tea problem, any type of contamination, fecal coliform, etc., where they can where they can um, disinfect uh, on demand. Um, but yeah, I think it's, uh, one of the, one of the most important topics we're dealing with in California currently. And I think there is a delicate balance between groundwater, surface water, uh, the environment, uh, human needs, and it's a complex and, and, uh, it's a complex problem that has different variables wherever you go. We go from this water, this watershed to to the Leightonville watershed, two two completely different circumstances. Same if we go to the south, you know, between 
between the valleys. We have different uh, different challenges, um, and then we get over to the coastal range, and it's it's, uh, it's unique um, with respect to groundwater and being able to uh, construct some sort of any any type of uh, reservoir where, as we as we've spoken about before, we, you can you can divert and store that that high the high flows during the winter so that you can use them during the summer and um balancing what we call a we've created uh, this new ecosystem we call it this micro ecosystem associated with the reservoir um and we create a new environmental circumstance that we're we're challenged with managing so um well rod yeah in preparing for the show we were talking about um or you, you were talking about how there's substantially more water below the ground um, in the subsurface than there is at any given time um, traveling above surface. And although, you know, as someone who's not doesn't have a deep science background, you know, well, I could see the water flowing in the river, but I can't see the water that's um, maybe flowing underground. So um, I, I trust that the science of, of calculating how much water is, is below ground is, is something that's probably improving over time. And, and um, maybe you could just talk a little bit about how how hydrologists and others, um, you know, sort of get a handle on how much water is is below ground and available for for drinking water systems. Sure. So I'm I'm not a hydrogeologist, Jim, and I we 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 defer to those that specialize in that, and we trust that we trust the data that uh, we we get from uh, previous studies. Uh, as we talked about, we talked about before, geology moves in in scales of tens of thousands and millions of years. So, so studies that are 30, 40 years old are still very valid in today. In uh, today, we review uh, storage capacity, and different geologists or hydrogeologists will look at it a little differently, and they'll apply a different uh, uh, yield rate um, and, but. When we look at these past studies and we look at the amount of water that we can store in a reservoir, we can store in, in the situation that I deal with all the time, we, we can store 1,386 acre feet. Um, and past studies have shown that what is, what is stored below the ground is in, in the tens of thousands of acre feet. And, you know, we talked about what's, a, what's an acre foot and we try to put that in context. Uh, one of the ways that, that, for visual purposes, if you imagine an acre, it's 208 feet by 208 feet, roughly. And imagine a foot of water over that one acre. That's the volume that's considered an acre foot and 325,000 gallons. Uh, uh, so when we're talking about storage of 40 or 50,000 acre feet below the ground, it's significantly greater than the amount that is stored in a in a 700 acre foot reservoir right you could just i mean it's just a, a fraction of the capacity and with reservoirs we're 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 often uh we're we're at the mercy of rainfall and runoff and if we don't get the the rainfall later in the year well the reservoirs don't necessarily fill uh because in the winter time during high flows some dams look like Niagara Falls, just just water flowing over and it's um, headed downstream. Uh, and 
the one reservoir, there's a dam safety issue. We don't want to fill it up and then have a big surge of rainfall come and, and challenge the integrity of the dam. So we try to keep it down at a certain level and slow and fill it later in the year when we're not expecting those, those huge storms. Um, whereas groundwater, it's just recharging whenever it rains. We saw a significant recharge with the storms uh, last year in October, November. Um, uh, just uh, to me, it was, it was just amazing to see the groundwater um, come up so quickly uh, with about 20 inches of rain. Jim, I don't know. Do you recall? It was a, we got, you know, we got those good rains in October and November, and we may not see, we may not see that, but when we start looking at the well levels and we have a, we have some historical data, we can see how, how that recharge happens. So I don't know if that's kind of, I could, I could probably talk for hours about uh, <laughs> the, the balance between, you know, the, the surface water, groundwater and, and how, how to, how to work on a conjunctive use that, that best utilizes those two different sources but. yeah i find it i find it interesting because in fort bragg where i'm most familiar with the water source it's it's three surface water sources it's the noyo principally and then there's um uh, a creek that feeds into Hare creek and uh, south Ooh. of town and then another one waterfall gulch which is uh south of that so Fort Bragg, the city is is entirely dependent upon surface water, which um, and the city historically has had very little water storage, um, off channel storage. So I think that just the um, you know the history of the community was that we always had enough flow through those surface areas, um, surface courses, that uh, the city didn't need to have a lot of water storage. And the city is you know just in the last ten fifteen years um, really starting to looks more more aggressively at at creating storage um offsite and but I, I think again it's kind of fascinating to me having grown up in a town that's relying on surface water to see that the science of of groundwater seems to be um you know where a lot of the action really is in in um, securing additional water storage for communities and um, um you know uh dan just to follow up on uh rod's comments regarding uh Recharging aquifers. We give people a real good example. Uh, a year ago, the state of California experienced its uh, lowest precipitation in recorded history. And I know up here in the Long Valley area, uh, we rely upon an aquifer. It's an old ancient, uh, it was a lake at one time, back in the lake of the Pleistocene age. Um, lake Laytonville, in fact, they call it. And, uh, you know, over time, the the lake receded, went underground, and uh, we rely upon uh, it's what they call an interconnected aquifer, but the, the main part that we're on, um, it's about, it's estimated to be 15 and a half to 17,000 acre feet. And even though last year, um, we only received 29 inches of rain up here, um, Historically, we our average is uh, right around 67 inches. We, we, we get insanely high uh, amounts of rain. And uh, anyway, with that, with just that that 29 inches, uh, believe it or not, by the end of February um, last year, our aquifer had recharged itself. This year, as Rod was saying, we had those early rains. Uh, they were about 20 inches. 
our aquifer recharged itself by the end of January. And uh, the, the other, uh, another one of, of uh, Rod's uh, we were sharing with people, as far as the inter interconnectivity hydrologically between confined aquifers and uh, surrounding or adjacent surface um, waters. You know, for example, here with, with, with our water treatment plant, it, it sits uh, only about 300 feet, in some cases uh, less than 300 feet from uh, 10 Mile Creek. And yet there's no, and our, and our wells are, are uh, one is located right at the treatment plant. The second well is located about 200 feet away on the uh, adjacent rodeo grounds. There is no hydrological interconnection between our aquifer, which butts literally right up against um, 10 Mile Creek. Um, and the reason that one of the reasons that we know that is that periodically we'll we'll grab samples out of Ten Mile Creek because we have a special DNA in our aquifer, and it's that small amount of organic arsenic I was talking about. We have never found any arsenic in that creek, ever. And uh, at one point that became critical because um, Fish and Wildlife attempted to exert some jurisdiction over us because of the the closeness of our operations at two ten mile creek and we were able to prove to them you know this whole lack of inter interconnectivity so in, in any event yeah i mean uh, underground underground uh, water storage i mean one of the things that they do and they've really come up with some uh, improved methods to do it um but instead of mother nature replenishing uh, aquifers man can do it now um, so instead of storing water above ground, there's also this whole new area where um, people are actually pumping water into aquifers that have either been exhausted or um, they've been over pumped because of this extended period of dryness that California's experienced for the past uh, 20 years or so. Well, you know, in response to the um, the drought and um, just the climate change that we're experiencing, um, the, over a year ago, the, the Board of Supervisors appointed an ad hoc committee of supervisors, uh, Glenn McGordy and John Hashak, to work on drought issues. And and actually, in the last 12 months, the County of Mendocino's allocated $2.2 million, which I would call sort of seed money. And, the, and for just a matter of scale, we have about $60 million in discretionary dollars out of a $360 million budget. So um, that's incredibly unusual to be able to allocate so much money to a, to a new project. And um, the water agency is basically a new project. And uh, that was really because we had settlement monies from PG&E that were um, settlement to the county of Menace. You know, there's homeowners who have their own settlement process that's going on with PG&E. Anyway, we allocated this sort of one-time $2.2 million. We still have $1.2 million unallocated of that. And in working with different water districts, um, some of the cities in the county, um, this, and our state legislators, a total of $24 million in, in state grants was made available to um, several of our water districts in the county. And um, part of this process, the, the, the county um, created a, a steering committee of technical folks to look at um, what 
what are some models for the county to um, engage with the water districts on an ongoing basis on water? And I, I know, Jim, that you're a part of that steering committee. Rod, I'm not sure. Are you also part of that steering committee? Uh, not at this time. Okay. No. Um, Jim, do you want to talk just a little bit about, um, you know, the input that, that uh, water district people like yourselves have been providing to the county about, you know, what kind of assistance would you would the water districts like to see from the county? I, I realize there's probably a spectrum of of opinions from the different water districts, but yeah, the, yeah, the whole issue is really wrapped around this this idea of uh, some fashion resurrecting the um, we'll call it the old or pre-existing. Um, water agency, which was more or less tombstone um, back in, uh, I forget exactly, 2008, 2009, something like that. And uh, if if we are able to, you know, in some way kind of re- <clears throat> re- reconstruct um, the, the old water agency, I believe it'd be its third iteration here in, in Mendocino County. Without getting into the the, the the history of these water agency forerunners, um, as far as um, water utilities uh, were concerned, and the populace as a general, uh, uh, generally in the county, um, most people were really were really not aware of when the old water agency was actually officially functioning that there even was this entity and they and those of us who knew about it had very little experience with it because it was um, you know like a lot of things down at the county seat um, it was kind of perceived as being uh, ukiah valley centric and uh, so you know, most of it you know most of us local government water utilities um, we we just didn't have much knowledge about um, what this what this agency was all about it, it, it what it was doing so anyway what the steering committee has been uh, attempting to do is uh, if we're going to have a water agency let's let's make one that's actually going to be um, doing something and uh, and as you were saying you know there's kind of a broad spectrum of thought on just what those various things should be uh, my recommendations so far um, have been. I, I think. I think the majority of people have been working on the issue. I think they're in agreement with it. Is that we probably need to uh, instead of instead of overreaching, you know, amb- ambitiously trying to put together um, a uh, fully staffed, uh, fully functioning uh, water agency. Why don't we? take our time and build something that is is going to do the most work for the most people um, and keeping in mind that the county right now is not flush with uh, funding um, where it's, it's not going to call for um, a, a huge investment initially by the county and and so what we've been talking about is really in a couple of areas one the Water agency would be the uh, would be the place where all water related um, information um, out in the in the county existing with all the I think we have close to thirty different 
water agencies, uh, large, small, uh, city, uh, municipal water district. Let's start getting the, uh, the information uh, that they have in their hands and let's get it collected and uh, collated with this new um, water agency. You know, and what we're talking about is, you know, some, some fairly substantial stuff. And also a lot of this is just um, informational. So we actually find out what's going on out, you know, outside of uh, the Ukiah Valley. How many, for example, how many water districts operate as uh, uh, where they're treating groundwater versus surface water? What about those that are uh, combo districts? Um, what are their water sources? Um, are, are they reliable? Um, all the various reports that are filed with the agencies that have jurisdiction, you know, State Water Resources Control Board, DW, uh, Department of Water Resources, um, et cetera. Because right now, the, 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 uh, the county, but especially the supervisors, one of the difficulties they've had in fashioning some kind of cohesive, consistent water policy over the years is they just never had the necessary information to, to do that. Yes, there's a lot of information down in um, Ukiah Valley, but two-thirds of the people um, live, in un, uh, live in unincorporated areas. So th that, would be, that would be one area. The second major area is from an operational and uh, capital uh, improvement perspectives. What do these water districts <clears throat> need to do to, to make their operations uh, more efficient? And so <clears throat> our recommendation has been um, that we would like to hear from the different water utilities uh, throughout the county have them prioritize maybe, I don't know, three to five uh, projects. And um, those those would uh, um, undergo uh, study and scrutiny by this water agency. Um, and uh, depending upon, I guess from a governing perspective, <laughs> whether this Water agency is going to be a standalone department with a department head, or it, or is it going to um, uh, operate differently? I'd like to see it kind of go back to uh, its previous days when the board of supervisors actually sat as the board for the water agency. Also, if the supervisors are interested in doing that, I realize that you guys are all busy. That um, we should have a governing board uh, comprised of um, an appointee from the. Uh, uh, five supervisors district. But anyway, um, the, the water agency uh, would, would be the body that would be making final recommendations on these projects that would be coming in from water utilities and city water departments, uh, etc. Then it would take the lead in attempting to uh, find out where there's sources of funding um, you know, for these projects. There was, you know, hopefully, you know, grant money, but there's also low, uh, low interest loans that are, that are available. So anyway, um, j just to get the uh, water agency off the ground and, and give it something that I think um, could, could be met with um, a lot of early success, those would be two examples of, of uh, areas um, where the, the, the county, um, county government, and uh, people who live here in Mendocino County would, would benefit from the, the resurrection and reestablishment of this water agency.
Well, Rod, you've worked with a number of water districts um, in the region and, and obviously the city of Willits pretty extensively. And, and um, just from my own observation, as someone who's, um, you know, was on the city council for 14 years in Fort Bragg and and um, has served on the, um, we have a seven county organization that um, is able to make recommendations with a, a portion of the um, water bond funds that the state allocates. It's called the North Coast Research Partnership. Um, that I, I've never seen so much state money that's uh, become available. I, and I, th- I think it has to do with the state surpluses. I mean, when the state has these large surpluses, they obviously don't just staff up and, and hire a bunch of people that they won't be able to keep on, you know, two, three, five years later. What they do is they um, they make substantial amounts of money um, invested into infrastructure and, and one-time expenses, including um, water projects. And Again, I've I've never seen so much state money floating around. Um, so often, it seems the water districts are and the cities are kind of fending for themselves, you know, um, struggling with how high can we raise the rates, you know, knowing our ratepayers are really struggling to pay those water bills, um, and even if it's financed over time. But again, right now, it seems like the state dollars are, are available because of these record surpluses. Uh, nobody knows how long that'll last. Um, but what's what's been your sort of experience in, in how water districts have financed these projects? Well, that's a that's a wide uh, there's a wide range of uh, opportunities. Jim Jim alluded to low interest loans to to uh, outright grants. Um, I know uh, <clears throat> the last city of Willits water treatment plant upgrade was a combination. State revolving fund of grant uh, loan, um, and you see that often. But I just to kind of look look at the at um, the the basis here, and I, I think this is important. Jim touched on the cap, capital improvements. One thing that's often overlooked is uh, the distribution side of the water system. So. Uh, what a lot of agencies look at is this was the amount produced and this was the amount used or sold, right? So we treated this much water at the treatment facility, but the end user got X amount. So whatever the difference is, is typically we would associate with line loss or some, some leaks throughout the system. Um, so, to improve on your efficiency of being able to treat and supply water, capital improvement projects to replace aging infrastructure, aging lines, old valves, old whatever it may be, are extremely important. And um, I think this is speculation. I think the state as I, I, has, has realized that a lot of the smaller, more rural service districts, special service districts, community service districts that that supply water or and also or treat wastewater are challenged in creating enough revenue, creating enough in a, of a reserve fund to effectively maintain their system. And what what we're what we see in a lot of these more rural uh, communities is a much greater uh, infrastructure, or like a greater quantity of infrastructure, longer. Uh, a much more uh, water main lengths to tr- to supply fewer in- residences, and that's just the nature of you know more rural development. Um, so 
if you look at the cost to to keep up on that on that old keep up that old water system, it's exponential. It's different. It's like a difference. Like not as many users, more 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 uh, feed of water main to maintain. And I think the the state has has realized that we're getting to this point where the, with this aging infrastructure that um, to keep uh, more, the more rural communities uh, uh, to, to ensure that people have safe and sanitary drinking water is even going to become more and more challenging from not only a quantity side, you know, from the, the source side, how much we have to treat, but how much we distribute and, and are able to, if there's a major if there's a major issue in a distribution system, some communities wouldn't have the ability to, to respond and react. So um, that's why you're seeing a push from the state for consolidation of smaller water agencies or they, smaller agencies consolidating with larger agencies so they have a better ability to, to maintain and operate their system. Um, I, I think it's, it, it, it's going to continue to it's going to continue to evolve as we move into the future, as we get, gather more information, which I think is, is extremely important, like Jim referenced earlier. Not only, not only can we get more information related to um, you know, what kinds of projects are out there, but when we talk about groundwater, getting more information, I know it's, it's not regulated. There's no, there are no, no state regulations, no water rights associated. You're, you're entitled to the water underneath the ground of the the property you own. And, and if there's a water rights issue, it's goes to the state and it's primarily, uh, are you interfering with the beneficial use of your neighbor's groundwater? And, and that's a, that's open for uh, subjective interpretation. Um, but, uh, I think having my, my personal experience, having seen people that just, we just need to replace this one pipe and we can't afford to do that. We just need this one pipe that that's an inch and a half that was installed, uh, you know, 20 years ago and they just put it on top of the ground and it slowly, you know, stuff slowly gathered over the top of it. Kind of, we've seen that type of circumstance um, and uh, others just needing a new, uh, water storage tank because the old redwood tank is is failing and not being able to spend to afford four hundred thousand dollars for a fifty thousand gallon tank. So um, I think the state will continue. The state and USDA is another major player uh, in in funding rural uh, water projects. So. So it sounds like you're you're seeing funds becoming available, particularly to improve the efficiency and and reduce water loss. Um, it kind of makes me think a little bit how the state approaches, you know, energy consumption, electrical energy consumption in California. You know, they're trying to improve the building codes so the buildings are more energy efficient, so that on a per capita basis we're using less ele- electricity per capita, even though we have more people in California. So with water being a finite resource, it sounds like um, you're seeing grants available from the state, at least some of them targeted towards um, making sure we get rid of leaks in the pipe system, the infrastructure, so that we're, um, you know, delivering the water once we've sourced it is one thing, but then delivering it to customers is, is, you know, we want to deliver as much of that that we've sourced as possible. Mm -hmm. And and I know that your, your company Lake and associates has worked with the County, for example, um, on a couple grant applications that were successful this, this last year, part of that 20, Mm -hmm. $24 million that was secured for water districts around the County. Um, 
Uh, Jim, any, any your thoughts you have about the, the state and federal dollars that seem to be available right now? Yeah, I mean, uh, certainly in some er- some areas, they, they seem to be uh, plentiful. Um, wh- one of the things that, you know, that we're also working on uh, here in, in the county is um, developing an ordinance dealing with um, water wells. And uh, the genesis, the, 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 the genesis for, for the supervisors wanting to uh, at least t- take a take a hard look at um, a proposed ordinance in that area kind of grew out of the uh, issue that uh, really hit hard last year. That, that was a combination of a couple of things, but one, the overproduction of uh, cannabis, um, the, the then... Um, over, overuse, <laughs> uh, overdrafting of uh, water for said cannabis. And also uh, people started looking at the uh, sources of, of uh, the water that was being uh, used to farm cannabis. Uh, a, lot, a lot of it being uh, of an illegal nature. Um, these would be di- uh, illegal diversions from existing uh, mostly surface uh, waters, but also we began to notice that there were an awful lot of um, seemingly new people getting into the business of, of supplying water to be trucked to again mostly cannabis sites. Um, and uh, so anyway, we we've finalized or about finalized a uh, recommendation for the board. I believe it's going to be submitted on uh, July twelfth dealing with this whole issue of these private water wells and the uh, county beginning to exercise uh, more authority over uh, over uh, private uh, water wells. Um, but, but it's in a very limited area right now, and, and that would be for people who specifically are drilling either new wells or they're converting um, old wells um, to uh, sell water commercially. And I might just raise uh, this. Uh, last week in the uh, state legislature, um, a new bill was introduced um, that would significantly increase the regulation of uh, private water wells. And uh, of course, it's very it's a very controversial um, issue. Um, r- real quick, thumbnail sketch of this proposed legislation, which, by the way, passed out of. Uh, um, a Senate um, committee uh, a few days ago, but under this proposed legislation, um, any new or, or modified um, groundwater well um, that would be uh, proposed in existing water basins um, that are uh, uh, categorized as either uh, medium or uh, uh, High, high burden um, basins under the uh, 2000, I think it was 2014 Groundwater Sustainability Act, that um, all of those wells would have to um, be approved by the, by these GSAs, these uh, groundwater um, sustainability agencies. 
And of course, the first started flying immediately when uh, when uh, folks folks found out about about this uh, found out about this uh, bill. Uh, the other interesting thing, and it's kind of slid under the radar, but um, in a couple of his executive orders, Governor Newsom um, has um, prohibited the, the drilling of uh, new water wells anyway um, during uh, you know. Be, be, because of the um, extended drought. So anyway, uh, you know, here in Mendocino County, we're taking a look at what's going on with uh, private wells. Uh, more recently, the state's all, state is also taking uh, taking a look uh, look at wells. Of course, I think all, all wells rely upon groundwater, I believe. <laughs> so uh, the, these are interesting times, and it's going to be controversial here if uh, once once the uh, proposal that this ad hoc committee um, is going to be submitting to our the board to be taken into consideration on uh, July twelfth. There's there's going to be a lot of controversy over uh, that proposal also. Well, Jim, I certainly look forward to hearing more about that um, at the board meeting in advance of that uh, in terms of. Uh, potential regulation of of wells that are used for commercial purposes to sell to uh, properties off-site and then also just to learn more about this um, new regulation about um, people drilling wells um, for their own consumption i I know on the coast i've I've heard many people who in the last several years of these droughts have have deepened their wells Um, they many many people had fairly shallow wells on the you know property they purchased from someone else and it just sort of shows that that uh, there's a need in many cases to have deeper, um, deeper wells and, and, and actually some storage off, you know, um, I want to remind listeners that, um, we're now in the last third of the show and, um, the listener call in number is 707-895-2448. You're listening to Citizen U. And today we have two guests, uh, talking about water, uh, securing water for the people of Mendocino County. Um, we have Jim Shields, who's longtime manager of the Laytonville water district, and we have Rod Wilburn, uh, who's one of the owners of Laco and Associates. He's a civil engineer. And we have our first call. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Okay. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Okay, we'll try that again, caller. Um, okay, caller, you're on the air. Yeah, uh, can you hear me now? Yes. All right. Uh, so what, what I'm saying was, uh, thank you for the program. Uh, it's it's sorely needed. Um, I, I wanted to ask a question. It it seems like um, what the history of water in California has been one of uh, uh, the public viewing water as kind of an infinite resource, and uh, it was just a question of tapping into it um, for the purposes of, uh, of uh, turning on your tap and letting the water flow. And there really wasn't much of an, uh, a, a big concern except for in, in uh, desert areas and where water was very scarce uh, about um, uh making sure that we used uh, our water resources as wisely as possible. But now we're entering a completely different period with 40 million people in the state 
um, and uh, those populations distributed in places that oftentimes don't have sufficient water supplies available to support that, um, uh, and also people moving into rather remote areas where the infrastructure for supporting water uh, is not sufficiently uh, built out to support that. So uh, we seem to be entering a period where water is now suddenly being recognized as a finite resource. And my question really is for your, for your experts is, um, how does that change the dialogue, the discussion? What do we need to be focusing on here in the county uh, to try to reach a consensus about how we're going to manage water uh, successfully to ensure, uh, you know, the common good uh, in our county going forward? Okay, yeah, thank you. Yeah, just speaking for um, the steering committee that, that I was that I was on that was studying you know the, the, the water agency and uh, as far as identifying goals and objectives of a, of not only a water agency but of the, of the county itself. Um, this whole issue of of um, storage. Um, the caller is absolutely right. I mean. Uh, in uh, 1980, California had a population of a little over 20 million people. As, as the gentleman said, we now have right around 40 million people. Um, the last uh, storage facility that was um, uh, built in uh, California is up around Sonora, the New Malonis uh, Dam. And, uh, you know, since then, California's population has, has almost doubled. Water is um, is probably the uh, the most undervalued uh, resource commodity in the whole world. <laughs> people just people realize they need water, but um, oftentimes they don't really want to pay for what it costs to to have the water. And and and, and that and that includes. Uh, money, you know, that's that spent for um, the storage of water, whether it be above ground or, or below ground. And, of course, it's always been a very controversial issue here in um, the state of California. Typically, there's a lot of, um, or, or almost guaranteed that there's going to be some sort of uh, environmental opposition to uh, storage uh, projects. And, you know, at my position has always been that there's a there's enough water in, uh, in California really to accomplish uh, all of the all of the major things um, that we need that we need to do with water. It's just it's just a question of getting people um, to agree to begin take uh, it, engaging in a little more creative process where um, we can kind of satisfy the needs of. of uh, you know, all, all the different like all the stakeholders or, or special interests, including right here in Mendocino County. I mean, we're seeing the same thing with what's happening with the PG&E project, the Potter Valley project, and, you know, this whole uh, two-basin uh, proposal. So um, anyway, yeah, w w one of the things that we've identified as a, as a priority here in, in Mendocino County is a storage issue. And there are and there are ways to do it, um, you know, with um, the... Uh, you can you can build capacity through um, you know off off stream types of uh, projects. Um, you can certainly do it uh, during the winter time. You know with the whole uh, what they call the 
winter high flows. You know, but again, these are somewhat. I don't believe they should be controversial issues, but you know, but they are. And a lot of times they just they impede any kind of um, progress with, with solving this issue. But but we're going to have to do it. Okay, thank you, Jim. Uh, we do have another caller, Rod. Do you have more to add, or do you want to take the caller? Next caller. I uh, just I would add really quickly that it's it's dependent on uh, communication, information sharing. Uh, the count the county and the local agencies, primarily special services district. County has the largest uh, area of authority, not necessarily the largest population, but uh, a great deal of information can be gleaned from from that the areas outside of the incorporated uh, uh, cities we have. So uh, communication collaboration is the key. So okay, thanks. Okay, caller, you're on the air on KZUX. Hi, um, this is a question for Dan. Um, do you know if there are any specific water storage projects for the city of Fort Bragg? Well, yeah. So uh, about five years ago. Thank, thank you for the call. About five years ago, the city um, received a grant uh, through the North Coast Research Partnership, actually, that I'm on, um, that helped finance a 45-acre-foot water reservoir, um, which, as you heard earlier, it's very small compared to the city of Willits's reservoir. But it was sub substantial for the city of Fort Bragg. It's a lined pond off-stream. Off, off um, I know that the city of Fort Bragg is also looking at, if you look at their capital improvement project list, um, that's part of this year's budget, they're also looking at it at, at another piece of property um, that would, if they were to buy it, would enable, um, they estimate, at least three more lined um, reservoirs of 45 acre feet each. So um, those are the res those are the principal reservoirs. The city had an older, much older reservoir built in the 70s, uh, much smaller uh, near the existing pond I just talked about. And then there's just some residual capacity within the, the distribution and pipe system in their in their. Um, tanks. So we'll take another caller. Hello, caller. You're on the air on KZUX. Hey, thanks for taking my call. So um, I just wanted to go back to the infrastructure portion really quick. <clears throat> Could you uh, give us an idea of the average like water meter age in front of people's houses um, around Ukiah and maybe Willits area about how old they are? And my second question is, is um, how often should you look at your water meter if you wanted to like participate and make sure that your infrastructure is working good um i think <clears throat> excuse me i think uh just the education of our own personal avenue at home how we determine what's going on with that is not really known that much so if you could just answer those two questions i think that would help uh put this discussion like also, you know, what we can do as a community. Thanks. Thanks for the call. Well, uh, the Lakeville Water District, uh, we've had an ongoing education program with our customers where we actually will um, go, out, go out to their homes and teach them how to read their meters and, you know, keep records. Um, our meters have what are known as uh, leak detectors on them. Um, and uh, the customer has all that shuts off um, the, the valves that supply the water um, to their uh, home and that meter is moving. That means there's a leak you know, on the customer side of the meter somewhere. 
you know, that sort of thing. Um, we have, um, we installed smart meters uh, through a uh, USDA uh, Rural Utility Services uh, funded project, uh, I don't know, 16 years ago. We're in the process of replacing all those new smart meters now because the radio transmitters have a, a life of only about 15 to 20 years. And so um, we're gonna be uh, replacing um, those meters uh, with new ones. And uh, yeah, it's, we're, we're a small district, but one of the reasons that we don't suffer much in the way of uh, loss of water through leakage is that um, our customers really kind of keep a sharp eye on things and, and uh, what they see and a lot of times that what they think is a leak is, is, is not one, but um, they will call us immediately and we send a crew out you know, to investigate and then we do immediate repairs, so yeah. It's a big issue. So, Jim and Rod, that's that's interesting. I know in Fort Bragg also we have the electronic meter, um, uh, it's automatic reading, and um, so the city has good data kind of constantly that way. But, and I, my understanding is that the city staff would contact someone if they if they happen to notice an unusual spike in in, in consumption on one of their meters, maybe over a seventy two hour period. But um, I had not actually heard about the um, the shutoff valve at the meter. I guess they all have that, I suppose. But um, I don't remember being tra- trained or educated about that point. Is there anything else that people would want to look for with their own meter to just make sure that they're not they're not wasting you know water? Well, hey Jim, yeah, go ahead. Well, Jim, you hit it there. Like if you turn every if there's no water being used in your house and you go out and the meter is turning up, whatever, even slightly, very slowly. That means that there's a leak somewhere on 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 your side of the meter, and I uh, to me that is the best way to 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 uh, manage and and, and kind of QAQC your own your own service. Uh, most I know the city of Willits has an annual program where they're replacing upgrading meters. I I, I don't know the specific age, but um, every pretty much everybody's radio read, and that's that's newer technology. Um, I, I don't, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't comment on, on the specifics, but the, what I would do is go contact, you know, if you were in lane, we'll go talk to Jim. If you know, contact the the local agency and ask them, ask them for, for whatever information they may have educational wise. Okay. Well, we are down to our last, uh, two and a half minutes of the show and, um, any final thoughts uh, that you'd like to share with the listeners about about water security in Mendocino County and and maybe water tips that they might you might share with the audience? Rod, um, uh, I think uh, the the basic most fundamental uh, uh, issue. Um, that we have come going forward with respect to managing our water is, is going is highly dependent on us working together as a as a team of in a, whether it be in the community or within the county to to effectively and responsibly manage the human needs versus the environmental needs that are dependent on both surface water and groundwater. Yeah, you know, and, uh, this kind of gets gets us back to, you know, one of the themes of our, our discussion 
um, today. And that is Mendocino County, which is the case with the state of California, they don't have um, neither, neither one really has any sort of consistent, cohesive, um, logical um, water policies in place. The state of California, it's uh, it's kind of a patchwork quilt of uh, court cases, um, statutory and uh, regulatory law, um, common law, and the system is basically being held <laughs> held together with uh, chewing gum and, and baling wire. And at some point, we're all going to have to get serious. At, you know, and here in Mendocino County, you know, ba basically the, the same situation. Um, that's why it, in order for the decision makers to be able to make the best decision possible, they need to have as many facts at their fingertips as, as possible. And here in Mendocino County, they said, well, they have a lot of information down in the uh, Ukiah Valley. They don't really know um, what's going on out, um, you know, in the other two thirds of area, you know, the unincorporated areas um, here, here in Mendocino County. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.